Hey girl, welcome to the Get Your Guide Coaching Podcast. My name is Anwar White, but you can just call me your own personal dating and relationship coach. Each week, you'll hear actionable advice, tips, and strategies that you can implement in your own love life. I'm talking about healing your heart, dating effectively, and understanding men so that you can, you guessed it, get your guide. Are you ready to level up your love life? All right, let's go. Hello, my loves, and thank you so much for joining me on the Get Your Guy Coaching Podcast today. I have a very special guest all the way from Paris, France, girl, by way of Toronto, by way of London, England. We have Coach Abby, and she is a self-love coach, and she helps women love themselves so that they can love and be loved in their relationships. Coach Abby, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here today with us because we have a special topic that we're talking about today. And that's all about the nice girl syndrome that I think so many of us kind of get into without us even knowing about it. But before we get into that, why don't you talk a little bit about your business, what you do and how you serve your clients? So as you know, my name's Abby, Coach Abby, as they call me, and I'm a self-love coach and I help women heal, rebuild and love themselves more without feeling guilty. And I basically focus on them forming a better relationship with themselves and to help them get over their exes because I find so many women cling on to an ex and most of the time the ex isn't even worth holding on to like almost all of the time right (laughs) yeah literally yeah (laughs) we're being honest all of the time yeah yeah. (laughs) if they're an ex they're an ex for a reason so I completely understand that now how did you get into this work girl because everyone if you're like a love coach dating coach relationship coach there's always an interesting story in terms of how you got into this work so what is that story for you Well, it's a story like my whole dating life was an absolute disaster, constantly getting ghosted, breadcrumbed, etc, etc. And And for those, uh, those of the people in the audience, the listeners who don't know what breadcrumbing is, can you kind of explain that to them? It's kind of like if you think of like breadcrumbs, it's almost like a guy throwing crumbs at you. So every once in a while, he'll reach out and lead you down a trail of picking up crumbs. And you think, oh, I'm going to get the whole loaf. But no, you're constantly getting crumbs. And sometimes the crumbs stop or sometimes the crumbs continue. It's almost like a dog throwing a bone, but you're just getting crumbs. You're not getting like the yeah. whole slice. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that there's yeah. some people out here like, what's breadcrumbing? And it's like, yeah, definitely when somebody is like reaching out or texting you every couple of weeks, like, hey, what's up? Let's do something. And then you're like, yeah, yeah let's do something. And then you don't hear from them again. And then they'll do it again in a week or two. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So you were saying that you were being ghosted, that you were being breadcrumbed. Yeah. And on top of that, I had a horrible work experience. I was working in a job. I had a toxic manager that was absolutely awful. And I was so stressed out that I ended up getting Hodgkin's lymphoma. And once I finished treatment, I decided to reevaluate my life. And I was looking at some of the patterns of my dating life, my working life. And I realized that I was just basically lacking self-love because when I looked at most of the things that I let slide It was because I had a lack of self-love that I didn't even know. And that was kind of like heartbreaking for me because I, I heard a little voice say to me, 
Abby, do you love yourself? And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, of course I love myself. But then when I looked at what was going on and what I was allowing to let slide, how I was allowing guys to basically treat me, I realized, no girl, you lack self-love. Yeah, yeah. That was probably really hard to swallow. It was, it was a hard pill to swallow, but I'm glad I swallowed it because it made me change my whole life around. And I find sometimes when we get real with ourselves, two things happen. We make improvements or we backslide and we can get upset with ourselves and be frustrated. And I chose to go down the self-improvement road and help women to do do the same. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you did, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into this, right? Because we talked a little bit beforehand and you self-proclaimed yourself as the nice girl. Where do you think that came from? I think it came from me just wanting to people please and not wanting to upset people. I'm very non-confrontational. So I just felt like being the nice girl, just shut up, get on with it. Um, I think, yeah, it came from my need of not wanting to disappoint and just wanting to be liked as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I often find with the, what I call nice girl syndrome, because like half of my clients have it, is that when we grow up, oftentimes we feel like we have to be perfect, that we can't be uh, anything besides perfect, because if we aren't, people are not going to love us. Or that sometimes when we grow up in a certain household situation, where things are can be somewhat chaotic, that you don't want to add to the drama or the chaos. And so you want to make sure that everything is copacetic and good with you so that again, people can love and accept us and feel like we're worthy. So I'm so glad that you are self-proclaimed and you're not ashamed of it because acknowledging is kind of like the first step in terms of figuring out if the nice girl syndrome is working for you or not, right? So, you know, you talked a little bit about your dating past, but how do you think that being quote unquote, the nice girl hindered you in dating and relationships? So some of the guys, they would ghost me, which was absolutely pretty much frequently, or they would call me up like last minute, let's just say like after 9pm. And I lacked boundaries, I guess. So they would be like, hey, want to hang out? And I would be like, okay, but I really want to say no. And so it allowed them to basically just walk all over me. And they could basically take from me and I'd be like, yeah, sure. Okay. But when it came to me wanting to speak up for myself, I was basically the nice girl. I just didn't want to rock the boat or say anything or ask these questions like, where is this going? Or where have you been? I just wanted to just be the nice girl, basically, and just play it cool and not be like a problem. Yeah. It's interesting that you had focus on self-love, right? Because one of the things that I think is really important to realize is that when we are the nice girl, ultimately what we're we're doing is putting the needs, desires, emotions of others before ourselves. So when a guy reaches out to us and says, hey, let's hang out now, we're thinking, what's the most convenient thing for him, right? Instead of what's going to make me feel the best, right? And oftentimes, 
he's going to do what he wants to do because as humans, we're selfish beings anyway. And so we often do not get our needs met. So, you know, I think it definitely can kind of like hinder so many other parts of dating and relationships as well. I'm so happy that you were sharing that because I'm sure our listeners out there are definitely going through similar experience or have been through similar experiences. How else did it kind of hinder you or not help you, you know, achieve some of your love goals as the nice girl? It basically meant that guys just probably felt like I'm not able to speak up for myself so they basically just did what they want and I wasn't able to get commitment from them because it's kind of like they can take from me without committing to me so I was never really able to get that commitment that I wanted like that solid relationship so when these what are we conversations that I was too scared back then to speak about why would they even consider committing to me if they're literally getting what they want from me girlfriend benefits yes without me being a girlfriend yeah that's so important I'm so glad that you mentioned that because so many people do this and I think this is where you know generationally we may have learned from our moms and grandmas just give just do and then suddenly these men are just going to be like she's my wife because she's already acting like she's my wife so I guess she's my wife or girlfriend right yeah it's not how it happens nowadays <laughs> no it's not now no definitely not <laughs> I probably didn't happen as much back then either but it was just maybe a regular thing. Yeah. I'm so happy that you mentioned that because that is the number one way for you not to get into a relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no incentive. Th- There's no incentive yeah. for the man. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. No, I was going to say that I think as well, that's basically that. Like for men, it's like, well, why would I? And I found that they would go for women who had boundaries, made them wait. So it's kind of like, okay, they would be getting what they want from me meanwhile they're working on another girl and then I could see oh okay they were just using me for certain things but here they are happily committed because this girl had self-love she loved her the other girls like loved themselves enough to say absolutely we're gonna wait or we're gonna do it my way at my pace which is something I just never had the courage to do yeah And it's interesting, what I've been picking up over the last couple of sentences is you've been mentioning, I think, or circling around this notion of sex, right? Waiting on your terms, things like that. Talk to me about being the nice girl and sex in dating and relationships and how you navigated that. Basically at the guy's pace most of the time. Which is like lightning speed. (laughs) Exactly. exactly so it would be like maybe on the second date sometimes the first date and then obviously they're getting what they want so they're not committing to me and then I did experiment where I was like okay let me wait a month or two and they got what they wanted but because I was still allowing them to ghost me so like perhaps they would come back a month or a few weeks later and then I'd give it up to them they would disappear so it's kind of like I wasn't really firming myself and standing up for myself so when it came to sex they got what they wanted going at their pace and then just walking away 
This is one of the reasons why when, you know, the women in my program, what I do recommend is that they do not have sex with the men that they're dating until they're in an exclusive relationship, right? I agree. Because most men will try to go there because they're men and men generally are looking for sex and find love and women are looking for love and have sex along the way, right? And so oftentimes it might get hot and heavy. You may be kissing, but at that moment, it, it, it is important to say, you know, I I would love to have sex, but I just don't do that with someone that I'm not in an exclusive relationship with. What that does ultimately is it triggers something in a man's mind where the question is not about, do I want to continue hanging out with her or not, right? Because men are very much in the present tense. Then the question about the relationship is more about, do I want to be exclusive with her or not? And that's what he's going to continue to be thinking about from that point onward. And then you get a clear understanding of, if he does, because he's going to make moves to get there or not. And one thing I wanted to ask you about kind of being the nice girl in sex is talk to me about kind of your education or experience with sex, I guess, growing up. Was that something that was talked about a lot or not really? Who taught you about it? Who taught you about sexual agency, all of that? It was kind of me just figuring it out. I mean, my mom literally said to me, um, because she was very open about sex, but I didn't feel comfortable going to her to talk about it. But I remember her just telling me basically, tell boys you're not a virgin because, you know, they're not going to want you because she was like, most boys just want, will want you for sex. I think when I was yeah, a teenager, just when I started high school. So basically mom, she just said- Mom's <laughs> killing me over here, girl. I, we mom. love mom, but we yeah. don't know if she set you up for success here. <laughs> Right. (laughs) And for me, it was kind of like, especially at that age when you're in like high school, I don't want to tell guys that I'm not like, no way. Because when you do do that, one thing they're going to say you're a hoe regardless. So that's something. So I never really told guys that. And I remember the first time I lost my virginity, I was 18. And I really liked this guy again my mind we are in a relationship that's just what I thought you know like we're hanging out he's kissing me he's told me that he likes me so we do the deeds and then he basically rejected me within a few days the conversations just got less I found out that he liked another girl and that led me to think that there was something wrong with me Um, I wasn't pretty enough or I just lacked something so that kind of stunted me and made me think like, I'm not good enough. So I guess as well, that added onto the nice girl of wanting to please, to please guys. Yeah. Yeah. You're a black woman. What do you think that your race had to also do with this nice girl syndrome? That is key. I felt like if I was to speak up and voice myself, I'll be labeled as that angry black woman. So I think that's, probably why I kept myself in a box especially at work I didn't want to speak up for myself because I didn't want to come across as the angry girl or the problem person yeah with guys as well I didn't want to be seen as you know the typical angry black woman you're all the same so it's kind of like well let me be different let me be Mm -hmm. nice let me see if this will work for me yeah And in doing so, it sounded like you put yourself or limited yourself in terms of the way that you were able to express emotion and just your general abbiness. Yeah, Yeah, I kept all my abbiness in a box, which is so sad because the other day I did my um, meditation, like an inner child healing. Yeah. 
And it was so interesting because for the first time I had heard my inner child and I went back to 11 year old Abby, who was so fun, talkative. And she said to me, like, you just stopped being out there. You stopped being outgoing. And I was like, wow, this was around about the age of like like entering my teenage years of just wanting to not be the angry black woman. So I just kind of went into my box. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's interesting too, because they often say that age range between seven and 12, it actually just beats girls up. It beats them up. Like when you're five, six and seven, like the girls are ruckus girl, they're running around, they're doing whatever, all of this. And then that age range, there's something about how they're treated with boys, I guess how the insults happen or the bullying or what have you, both from boys and girls to the point where we want to be liked so much. I can sympathize and empathize because I think as a gay child growing up, I also felt the same way, right? That like, I know I'm different and I need to be accepted and I need to find ways in which I can be loved and valued and seen. And so, you know, there's a variety of ways of doing that. But ultimately, I also played the nice girl syndrome in a lot of different ways to try to be liked, right? Yeah. But it wasn't me. (laughs) I couldn't talk my shit. (laughs) Right, exactly. Because you just feel it inside. It's tugging at you. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. are you saying, you know, it's like, why are you saying yes when you know you want to say no? Yeah. You know? The other thing about that, too, is that men can sense when you kind of don't want to do something, but you're saying yes, or when you get a little bit quiet, because sometimes women will do this, they'll get quiet when they're upset instead of speak their truth. Yeah. And I want to offer to women out there that do that, that that is emotional dishonesty. Right. And when women do that, when you're playing the nice girl and you don't want to ruffle any feathers it's going to be hard for him to trust you because you're saying one thing, but your energy and your existence is saying a completely different thing. And so I want to just kind of encourage everyone out there that does play that nice girl role that you're not doing yourself any favors because ultimately when he sees you as two-faced or two-personed, he's not going to trust you and the connection cannot be super deep. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that 100%. Yeah. yeah. So you obviously have gotten out of your nice girl syndrome a bit. What sort of things did you do to help get there? Right? Or there's certain exercises or actions that you took? Yeah, first of all, I just went back to myself. And I was like, you know, we have to honor how we truly feel. Even if it's uncomfortable, you have to be able to speak up for yourself. So getting out of the nice girl thing meant that I had to be more confident in myself. And the way I did that was through just listening to daily affirmations and envisioning the woman that I wanted to become. And the woman I wanted to be was someone who said no and felt okay with it. And it was hard at first, but I found that I just, I mean, when you say no as well, you don't have to do it in a mean way. Right. So I was like, you know, I can still say no to my friends, like, oh, to guys, like, I just don't feel like it. I don't want to right now. It's too soon for me. And I found in doing that, I felt like I I felt a lot more peaceful in myself because I was honoring how I truly feel. So yeah, just by doing affirmations and building my confidence, it just gave me the ability to break out of that nice girl box. What were some of your favorite affirmations? 
so like I am confident I am love I am enough I am beautiful I can say no I am powerful just yeah just things like that and at first it felt really strange to say it yeah but the more I said it the more it just became comfortable for me like it didn't feel strange and then I started looking in the mirror when I said it and I noticed I started to like stand up taller with my shoulders back and it's just like I am enough and it's okay to honor myself and with that yeah my confidence grew and I found that when people would ask me to do something like hey Abby are you free I found myself to say no not tonight and how about another night without really thinking bad like I've just said no are they going to hate me what does this mean or he's asked me out and I'm not able to make it rather than me just you know rearranging my schedule like the old right I'm like, I can't, I've actually got work to do. So I wasn't worried like, oh my gosh, is he going to reschedule? Will he call me back? I didn't care. Cause I'm like, you know, something I'm honoring me and that's yeah. the most important thing. I'm putting me first. How long did it take you to get to that point from these affirmations are weird and so mm, I'm starting to believe these affirmations. I would say about like three months of really doing it every single day because the first yeah. month I'm like, every other day not consistently but I found when I just stuck to three months of doing it and putting it into practice it felt good especially when I started doing the mirror work as well when I looked in the mirror that helped yeah I think that this is so important to realize because I think people think that uh I'll do affirmations for a week and then it's going to be solved and it's going to be over and that's not the case that this actually takes consistent work and that's one of the reasons why my program is six months because these first three months are like really just getting your your footing and grounding in terms of the new woman that you are to be or who you're destined to be and then the last three months is really about okay now that we have that let's really find our person (laughs) yes right yeah Yeah, yeah. but it does take a good amount of time. One of the things that I do too is like in my journal every day, I write five beliefs or affirmations about myself, my business, my life that I believe, that I feel, that I want to continue because I think it is powerful work, even in the subconscious area, definitely. You also mentioned about understanding or creating a future self, right? Which is like, Who do I want to be? What does she look like? How does she live her life? How does she relate to other people? What does she do professionally? What does she do personally? Right? All of that. And so what were some of the things that your future self did that you weren't doing at that moment? I know that you mentioned saying no, but besides that, were there other things that you had to be or you had to do? Yeah, so I envisioned a woman who was very well-dressed. One of the things I wasn't really doing was taking care of myself in terms of, like, maintenance-wise. It's not that uh-huh. I was going out of the house looking scrappy, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't putting effort into the way that I looked. Yeah. So I reconnected with my femininity, which was very strange for me, being more softer in the summertime. I started wearing dresses, doing makeup, doing my hair, which was weird for me because people were staring at me it's like I was now a new me I was being seen yeah and I had to get comfortable with being seen I'm not gonna lie like since COVID I've kind of fallen off but back then I was getting ready to go out because another thing was like with my mom I love her so much but like 
put an effort into the way that I looked when I went out. It kind of wasn't enforced. She was more or less, if you're going out, out, then you can look well. But if you're just going down the road, you know, you can just house clothes. Fair enough. But I decided just for me that even if I am going down the road, I want to look the best that I can that yeah. day, even if it's just short errands. So yeah, I put effort into how I looked and I found that that did help build my confidence. I love that. Very cool. One of the things that I know that's a part of being the nice girl, that it's also rooted in trying to have things perfect and trying to make them look like the fantasy that one really idealizes, right? In one's head. So what's been your experience with that? How have you tried to, you know, create the fantasy in your dating and relationship life? For me, it was literally just, okay, be the nice girl and he's going to choose you. Just shut up, smile, let him take the lead, don't make a fuss. And yeah, because you're nice, he's going to pick you and you will, if you're lucky, get married and live happily ever after. That was the fantasy for me. And when did you realize that that fantasy is not doable or workable? Or have you? The moment I finished chemotherapy, I noticed that that's just, I need to wake up basically because it's clearly not happening. When I looked back at the evidence, I was like, yeah, this isn't working out. Being the nice girl, just keeping quiet, letting them get away with whatever and not speaking up for yourself. It clearly isn't working for you. So I had to snap out of that. Yeah, it's interesting. And you've mentioned this a little bit earlier about like being the nice girl also to be seen. And one of the things that I know that's really kind of prevalent in the women that I work with is that it's often because they weren't necessarily seen by either their mother and their father in some way. It was like emotional neglect. It kind of manifests itself in making sure that the life is perfect, it's pretty, that there are no flaws to it, nobody can say anything about you, right? And we are always looking to be chosen because ultimately when we were growing up, we were not chosen, right? We were not first, we were not put on the pedestal that we needed to be put on. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to share that because I think a lot of people will really resonate with that, that if I just smile, laugh at their corny jokes and (laughs) just wait and nod that they're going to make me their wife. And that's not the case at all. That ultimately, especially in 2021, women, you are the ones that are choosing, right? And you choose through telling these men what you want and giving them space to actually deliver on it. That's how you lead a relationship. And if you're not comfortable asserting your voice, if you're not comfortable speaking about what you like and what you don't like, if you can't say no, that means you can't really say yes in an honest way. I was like, I totally agree. Because if you had said that to me before, I would have been so uncomfortable. I literally would have been like, no, it's not possible for me to actually say what I want and say how I feel I would have felt so uncomfortable yeah no I would have pushed him away it's an uncomfortable truth right you wouldn't have pushed him away you would have pushed the wrong guy away the guy that's not for you right and I think that we have to also reframe that in understanding that the guy that is going to be your guy is going to love everything about you and is going to want to make everything you say every ask every demand every request 
he's going to want to make it happen for you. And for those men that do not want to make it happen for you, those are not your men. And that's okay. And 99% of the guys out there are not going to be your men. And that's okay. Right? We just have to figure out those guys who are good, high quality men that are focused on you as the top priority and not themselves. Right? And the majority of men are totally about themselves, ultimately. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of talked a little bit about being the nice girl and the fantasy that's involved with it, but I want to get a little bit real. I want to talk about kind of the messy side of being the nice girl, because oftentimes what I've noticed too, is that yes, there are tons of nice girls out there. But what I also know is that a lot of those nice girls have a lot of hot, messy things that happen that they just don't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) because they want to keep up the facade, right? Uh, Perfection and all of that. So what did that look like for you as it relates to dating and relationship? You share your mess, I'll share mine. (laughs) Sure. So I guess, well, when I was dating um, this Italian guy, he, well, there's been a few Italian guys, but one of them in particular who I really, really liked, he was living still with his girlfriend. and. I know. Well, he had told me that they had broken up and that she's living um, there because she has nowhere else to stay. Uh-huh, and I was, sure, girl. Yeah, absolutely. So that was probably one of my messiest things of just trying to see a guy who's clearly got a girlfriend. But and how long were you with this guy? Not long at all. It wasn't long. Um, probably on whole, it could have stretched like at least five months of not being consistent so in and out in and out and I guess when I saw him she was probably out he was on the outs with her yes exactly yeah Yeah. which is weird because you know Paris is literally a small place and it's just like I could see him or her at any time not that I knew what she looked like but when I was living in Toronto that's the story I really liked this guy And back then I had lack of understanding about how it works. You had met some guy in Toronto and you said you didn't know how it worked. You didn't know how what worked. I didn't really know how relationships worked. Uh So this was the first time since I had lost my virginity and I had finally like reconnected with a guy and actually have a guy show me interest. Mm -hmm. And so I assumed that this is the one because he he likes me, he's interested in me, and he had to go back to France. He had to leave Toronto. And my gosh, I can't believe what I did. I couldn't stop thinking about him. Like, Girl, you were obsessed. You were addicted. You were addicted. I, yeah. They yeah, say literally. love is as addictive as heroin and cocaine. So I don't want you to shame yourself in thinking that, you know, you were addicted to this guy. Girl, you were addicted. And I think we, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I left like my best life in Toronto, basically, to go and be with him. And I knew nothing about French culture, did not speak the language, never learned it in school. Oh, my girl. I just knew that I was going to be with him the happy ever after. And I realized, Abby, you need to go to Paris because you've never been before. You don't even know what it's like. So I went for a few days. I got in contact with him because we hadn't even been speaking. (gasps) This is how crazy it was. I'm telling you, 
I'm telling oh, you. I cannot. Say more. Well, Say more. <laughs> we were speaking, but back then, you know, on Facebook where you poke, that was our community. Oh, girl, y'all were poking and you're about to move countries for a <laughs> I'm poke? Tell- <laughs> I'm telling you. Girl. Yes, I was obsessed. So when I had reached out to him, I realized, Abby, you know something? You're pretty crazy. Because when I replayed it back, I'm like, this isn't even your boyfriend. What have you done? Anyway, I'm like, I've given up everything in Toronto. I'm in Paris now. So I saw him just for a few days. And I said, hey, you know, next month I'm coming to Paris. I went with open, I went with an open mind when I went to see him because I had realized, you know, we're not together. So obviously he he can just be like, okay, cool, whatever. So we met up and I said, I'm coming, I'm moving to Paris. And he grabbed my hand and he was just like, I'm so happy that you're coming. I can help you find a place. In fact, if you want, you can stay with me and my mom. And I was like, oh, that's really nice of you to offer. But um, it would just be nice if you can help me find my own place. So yeah, it was like, it felt like old times, just holding hands, kissing. And I was like, I'll see you next month. Keep in touch because, you know, I'm coming to Paris. Yay. Uh-huh. Went back home to London. And I don't know if you've ever tried to find an apartment in Paris. It's impossible. It literally. It's impossible. And I had no, when I say I had no idea about Paris, I knew nothing. So I'm looking for all these locations and I sent some to him and he's like, girl, this isn't even in Paris. It's like far outside Ile-de-France. You need to look yeah. inside de France so that was something I learned and I noticed he wasn't really responding to me or like have you tried this place have you tried that place so I actually held back I didn't communicate poking stopped and, uh-huh. um, that little bit of communication that you all were doing <laughs> girl I cannot with you I, I can't with myself either. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> It's good that we can laugh about it now, right? I'm sure Thank it was. Thank God. It was uh, oh, pretty. Yeah, you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear the tears. So, um, I noticed that he wasn't responding. Now that I've let go, the communication had stopped, and I'd found a job. So I was like, okay, we're going to Paris. We're just not going to be with him. And a month after I arrived, I got a message from him. But I just decided to ignore it. It was just basically quad enough like what's new I'm thinking how are you going to ask me what's new when you knew I was coming to Paris you knew that um, I needed help to find somewhere so I ignored the message and then um, three months later he uploaded a picture of him and a girl on Facebook and my heart broke when I tell Mm. you that the tears came they came and I was just I felt so stupid, basically. Live and learn. And this is why I'm sharing this experience because yeah. I don't want any girl out there to basically make life-changing decisions for a guy that's... Well, don't even do it for a boyfriend. Do it for a husband, please. Um, right. So I um, saw the picture of them two and I was like, okay, so this makes sense. This ex- explains basically the lack of communication and why he wasn't interested in me. Right. So I sent him a message and I was like, you know, you didn't have to lie to me when we met in Paris. You didn't have to pretend that you were going to help me and that you were into me. And he read the message and that was it. Left you on red. Didn't respond. Left me on red. Two blue ticks. And I was just like, okay, I'm already here in Paris. So I was just like, I'm going to enjoy my life. And that's what I did. Three years later, I saw him um, at 
by the Latorafel. There was like a football event and they had like this big screen. There was like thousands of people. And my friend, she's from Chicago. She has like the loudest voice ever. And I remember just seeing him and I grabbed my friend. She almost spilt her beer. We just went into the crowd. She's like, what's going on? Why are you dragging me like this? And I was like, that's him. She's like, who with her loud voice? So like, uh-huh. so happy. We're so loud happy. Americans, girl. Right. Get used to it. <laughs> so I was so happy to be far from him. And she was like, who is it? I was like, that's the guy. This is who I came to Paris for. She was like, no way. Go over and say hi to him. Introduce yourself. And I was like, you know what? No, like, I really don't want him to know anything about me, how I'm doing. Like, I just feel like it's none of his business and I'm over him now. That's when I realized, like, I am actually over him. Not that I spent three years on him, but it was just that realization of how I had matured. And so that same year, um, he sent me a message. It was around about, like, Christmas. Yeah, coming up to the new year. Three years later, just to apologize. He was like, he had a dream about me. You know how it goes, blah, blah, blah. He wanted to reach out. And he basically... I'm rolling my eyes for all the audio listeners out there. (laughs) Eyes are rolled back and forward. I'm, I'm, I'm back at it. Yeah. He apologized to me. And I read it. And I just didn't respond I left him on red because the truth is I had already forgiven him and most importantly I had forgiven myself and I just felt like I don't want any contact from him because after three years it's like I really don't need that apology thank yeah. you but no thanks so yeah, yeah good for I you just- girl Good for you. Thank you for sharing that story because I feel like we need to be sharing more of those stories with each other, our, you know, girlfriends, because everyone's been through it. We just don't talk about it. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And one thing about your story that I think is really interesting, because I've known quite a few people that have moved cross country or to a different country for a, a dude is when you do that, he's actually going to think less of you because ultimately what's going to happen is he's going to feel like, She's going to be relying on me for everything, which means that she is not as independent as I would like her to be, which means that I cannot see her as a partner who is contributing in the same amount that I would contribute to a partnership or a unit, right? And a guy doesn't want to be your everything, right? And when you make moves like that, I think it does signal that. So I think it's important to realize if there are any women out there that are listening to this podcast right now that are about to move for a dude, And you are not married. He is not engaged. He has not shown up for you in any way, shape or form. Do not do it. Please do not do it. I think that's the moral of the story. My mess. So after I graduated university, I lived in Germany for two years in Berlin and Hamburg. And I was doing some consulting there. And I had met someone, a guy, his name was Michael. And instantly he showed up, we dated, he called me every night. And for someone who was an expat, right, and feeling Mm -hmm. super lonely, that was like everything to me. Plus, you know, and I have mentioned this before in this podcast, you know, um, my dad abandoned me when I was in second or third grade. So someone that was consistent and reliable, this like meant so much to me, especially in that moment. And so he had proposed to me. uh, And (sighs) but after I was done with my consulting, I told him I didn't know. I said that sounds really good, but I don't know what's going on. Uh, I went back to the US just for like a summer to be with my friends and my family and things like that. And then basically he was like, I miss you. I want you to be here. And 
in my heart of hearts, I was done with the country. I was like, okay, I need to like move on with my life. It was an experience. But something about the nice girl syndrome in me was like, let me create the fantasy, right? Yeah. Let me make it look really good. Let me feel like I'm saving the day in some way, shape or form. And so I got myself some shitty internship at Adidas and <laughs> serious uh, instead of like a full on job. And I moved there. When I moved there, he was depressed. He had never told me he was depressed. He was oh on gosh. drugs. He lost his job. He was selling the drugs. Girl, it was a freaking mess. I was stuck because I was like, I'm here. Then I was like trying to help him. And I was just like in a really crazy place. I gave up the Adidas job to even help him and get oh him on the right God. path. Girl, he was stealing my money out no. of my bank account. Yes, what? I had no money. Girl, the most embarrassing part of my entire, one of the most embarrassing things <laughs> in my life was having to call my best friend and say, girl, I have no money. I have nothing. I need to get back home. Can you please pay for a flight? Of course she did it because wow. she's my friend. Thank you so much, yeah. Yuiko. I love you. I will never not love you. And I lived with my grandmother for a year and got back on my feet because I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. And I had nothing in the name of love, right? In the name of yeah. a fantasy. and the name of trying to be the savior. and the name of trying to be the nice guy or the nice girl, right? And try to make everything yeah. perfect and great. And it was not perfect and it was not great. And I should have asked more questions instead of just trying to wrap it all in a bow and try to yes. have this romantic story about how we met in Germany and I came back and now I'm going to live this beautiful expat life. And no girl, that's not what it's about. Right. So anyway, we all have those stories and I think yes. it's important to be very honest about it. And so I'm happy that you are sharing that and that we could share that together on this podcast. Coach Abby, I want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and sharing so many amazing perspectives as it relates to this nice girl syndrome. For the listeners that are out there and want to connect with you and want more self-love, how can they connect with you? They can find me on Instagram, which is Abby here. That's A-B-B-E-Y-H-E-R-E or coachabby.com. I love that so much. Coach Abby, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And thank you. I enjoyed being here. All right, my loves. Until the next time. Bye. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Your Guy Coaching Podcast. If you like this episode and want to talk with me personally, please book a free consultation at www.getyourguycoaching.com slash apply. Or... Subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Talk soon.